Hello everyone and welcome to our Italian Grand Prix preview. It's just two of us again. This time it's no Adam. He's busy doing something in Oklahoma. Don't know what he's doing. Uh, he's going to, he's going to with, university. He is, apparently. Is yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> just like us. Oh yeah, we work <laughs> and then he goes to school and then so we can't really do any, <laughs> anything together. We're not his parents. <laughs> uh, I, that is the voice of Freddie Colts. Now, the last time it was just me and Freddie, I think I made a reference to Freddie's long hair. 12 months on, Freddie still has long hair. Uh, so how are you doing, Freddie? I'm thinking of getting a haircut. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm doing good. I am surprisingly not as tired out as I thought I would be from probably one of the busiest weeks in F1 for news just happening to be the last week of a triple header and you just think oh for goodness sake F1 of course you were going to just make everyone work so hard now and mm. it has done the F1 gods have pointed and laughed um, but I don't know I, even though the news has been essentially ticking boxes rather than creating shocks it, it, there's still been an element of excitement that has kept me going it's like oh it actually is happening that's fun with a lot yeah. of it yeah, I've been exactly the same. And the first big, well, I guess it's the biggest announcement was that George Russell has finally been confirmed as a Mercedes driver, Lewis Hamilton's teammate next year. The worst kept secret, most people have been calling it. I mean, we've talked about it quite a bit already in the last few months because because we we yeah. known or not known, we thought it was going to happen. Uh, what else is there more to add that you've thought of in the last few days since it's been announced already? I think it just it gives you an extra element of being excited because there's always mm. that niggling feeling in the back of your head of might not happen, might not happen when you're saying, oh, Hamilton versus Russell, oh, a fight from two brilliant drivers in in one of the best cars on the grid. You, but you're sort of thinking, but it might not happen. It still might not happen. But now you can sort of, it's a definite. We can properly get excited by this now because it's a certainty. And yeah. that's what sort of makes it something else for me. It's it's it gives you an excuse to just go, wow, oh my goodness, 2022. Wow. <laughs> so that's basically been my reaction. Um, yeah. Similar for you. Yeah. Well, not quite like that. <laughs> <I'm a bit laughs> more toned down. Uh, I think what I mean, it's the first all British parent for 10, 10 years, nine years since Hamilton and Button at McLaren. But I think what's great is that it's unpredictable. So we know what Bottas and Hamilton, we know what's going to happen. We know Hamilton's going to get the better of Bottas nine times out of 10. With this, yeah. I don't know which way it's going to go. I, I don't know if Hamilton's going to thrash Russell mm. and make him look bad or not as good as, as we all think, or I don't know if Russell's going to beat Hamilton. It could go either way for me. And with the new regulations as well, I think that levels the, the, the playing field a, a bit as well. So it's just that unpredictability, unpredictability of having a different driver at one of yeah. the top teams if Mercedes get it right, because they've only had three drivers, uh, three different drivers in the, in the last, since 2013, the last eight years. So I think it's just that element and as well, having young drivers at different teams. We've now got Russell at Mercedes, Verstappen at Red Bull, Ocon at Alpine, Norris at McLaren, Leclerc, at Leclerc and Sainz at Ferrari. 
the list goes on. So it's just so, so exciting. And if there's multiple teams at the top next year, it could be even better than this season. And this season's already brilliant. It's, all, it's already a classic. So this it's, is, just, it's just all of that. This is what I was saying in about November last year. And it was like, <laughs> but obviously with different people, I was kind of going, every team setting themselves up to have a good team leader. And it was more like, you've got the Alonso, you've got Hamilton, mm. Verstappen. Um, but now the other drivers have sort of put themselves in the mix as well with sort of Norris and um, Science and Leclerc being level. And now Russell, we think, could be level with Hamilton, that kind of thing. So that's kind of just the sheer level of talent that could be in a fight for, well, podiums consistently next year is going to just be brilliant. And it's going to come down to the driver and so many teams, I just can't, I don't know who which team has got the best lineup now. I mean, Hamilton and Russell, Sainz and Leclerc, yeah. Norris and a good Ricardo, yeah. Verstappen and maybe a, if a capable car for Perez. I mean, that kind of stuff. It's Alonso Ocon this year has been massive yeah. lineup. I mean, one of the surprises of the season, how good that partnership has been. So, wow, just F1, hats yeah. off. This is yeah. It's, it's it always feels like a bit of a golden period. I think after two or three years, where the field, you know, yeah, there, so there was a lot of talk 14, about 15, 16, yeah, yeah, and stuff like that. But now the quality, it's as good as ever. It, it really, mm-hmm. really is. Definitely, yeah. definitely. Uh, we don't have the sort of stragglers, if you will, sort of the. Um, I don't want to name people, but I yeah, am. And you, of, you, you don't have to. You don't have to. But we know who like, you know who I mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh I mean, yeah, I think we've pretty much covered that. I mean, I think we can talk about Bottas in uh, <laughs> not Bottas. We will talk we were talking about Russell and how he'll get on when Adam's back and next year and stuff, because yes. it's still seven or eight months still that. I don't um, think the topic's yeah. gonna go away from pretty much yeah. any podcast we do. Yeah, we can probably save it for another day. <laughs> uh let's talk about Bottas now, confirmed to Alpha Romeo on the, what I think is a three year deal. Yes, that's what I've heard. Uh, so, yeah, it's a, is it a good move for Bottas, good move for Alpha? Both, good move for both. Um, it's a real, real good chance for them to um, sort of have, I mean, they've had Kimi Raikkonen, but it's always been a swan song. It's never been a, a push. It's just been a, what's the word? It's been a sort of an accommodation for Kimi Raikkonen. Mm. And, Alpha Alpha Salva have accepted that and that's fine because they've got a world champion and they did there weren't any really other sort of lead drivers on the market. Um they could have gone for a Perez or a Hulkenberg, but it's not the same really. But they've gone and courted Bottas well. Um and he's earned this driver, Alpha Romeo, really. He's earned that drive by being so close to Hamilton. He's got I think he's this year is his average qualifying gap to Hamilton is 0.1 tenths. And wow. So if it, his, his average qualifying is fantastic. So we've seen sort of the potential of Alpha with Giovinazzi in Zamfort, basically. If we take that as sort of a, a message, a, 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 a control for sort of where that car can get to, then if Bottas is doing that regularly, they can become a regular point-scoring team with Valtteri Bottas there, and he can drive that team, definitely, I, I think. 100%. Yeah. And, and no matter yeah. who his teammate is, I think... He will most likely beat them most of the time, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think you're absolutely right. His core five is very good, and that will be his, his strong point. And if you're in, in the midfield, if you can, if you can qualify high, then you can just 
kind of defend for the race, even if you're a bit slower. So I yeah, think he's shine. It's the perfect reset. It's, it'll be a new chapter. He'll be probably near his peak, I'd say, in terms of his racing career as well. So I think it's a great move uh, for Valve and Bottas. So, yeah. There are some drives that Valtteri, like we say, qualifying driver, definitely, definitely. But he can drive in races brilliantly. Some of his Williams drives, where he sort of, you know, had to sort of plug away in a subpar car comparatively to the top of the top teams, to the Ferraris, the Rebels, the Mercs of the time, were brilliant. Canada 2016, I think, is an underrated drive for Valtteri Bottas when he got on the podium that year. In, I just remember I, the seagull in that one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Every, that's, that's fair enough. That's the best bit. Um, but he got ahead of Rosberg. He got ahead of fast charging Verstappen he got ahead of Raikkonen and all of that in a Williams that year which wasn't it was good Williams but it was a hangover Williams and he did a brilliant job and some of his drives for Williams really I think if they can come out in Alfa Romeo which I think they will do because if he's a lead comfortable driver which he can shine he's an emotional mm. guy Valtteri we forget that we sort of talk about the the sort of placid fin and the you know the car the hard exterior and yeah, you get that. You get that. It's straight talking. But he's such an emotional driver. And if he's in a good place at Alpha, which I think he will be because he is the first driver in out of that seat, he's the driver, Alpha Romeo, really, as you've said. And that will work wonders. Yeah. And, and we've talked about a bit before about the mental toll that it, that it must have had by being Hamilton to do again, beat weekend out, weekend in um, for four years. And now. He's finally released from that, I guess, or he will be at the end of the year. And, uh, you know, Russell, with his qualified performance at Spa when he got on the front row, uh, Bottas in 2013 Canada, people won't, won't uh, remember this. He got yes. third in the wet. In, yeah. And I think Williams was eighth or ninth fastest car that year, something like they that. They scored points three times his, that year. Yeah. So in his rookie season, 2013, he's getting second row of the grid in Canada, tough circuit, mm-hmm. mixed conditions, just like Russell. So, he, he, you know, he can definitely do it. And, yeah, I, I think he will go well. I think, I think, I think that's been a general agreement amongst most people, I think, actually. So, yeah, definitely. And I'd like to say that I think Mercedes handled the, the announcement of Valtteri and George actually this week very well. Obviously, yeah. it's been an open secret for so long and it's meant that Valtteri's had to sit there for months answering questions about George Russell, which is not great at all. But the way the, the narrative of the week has been, Valtteri earned a drive, not Valtteri lost a seat. Um, yeah. And I think that's, that's to be fair, that's classy. Well done. Absolutely, yeah, because could, they could have announced Russell at the British Grand Prix or something and then, yes. you know, Bottas for two or three months could have been... You know, left unknown, but yeah, yeah, 100% agree with that. Uh, the other big driver announcement came on Wednesday, which is today when we're recording this. Was Alexander Albon is back? Yes, oh, I don't know what to make of this. Uh, having been dropped last year in favor of Sergio Perez, he is now back with Williams. Uh, probably something none of us saw coming before this year. Uh, yeah. He will be with Nicholas Latifi. He's retained his seat as well. I think it's a good move. Well, obviously, it's a good move for Al with his back, but I think it's the right move because I think he does deserve do. a chance, just like we've seen with Gasly. And I think I think he can deliver. I think 
Yeah, I, I think he'll be. He's he's had a year out, so he can reset, and I think he'll come back strong. I, I, I don't know how strong, but I think he'll be all right. I think what's really worked in Albon's favour is that he never did any worse than Gasly did at Red Bull. Really, mm. um, yeah, he had more time to do better, which he he did at points, but he didn't do as he didn't do woefully. And the way Gasly's now picked himself back up and got so brilliant. Rebel look at that and think, well, this driver's got talent. Perez has got talent. Gasly's got talent. They're all, they've all got talent. It's just, there's, they, they're, they're, there's so much more knowledge of the situation they've put these three drivers in that they have really backed Alex. And that's what wonders for him, I think. Because, yeah, I think that's some of the reasons that have sort of won him back favour in the F1 fan community, for starters. Like, me and you saying we think he deserves another go. Um, and also in the paddock, like and in Red Bull, I think have been very classy in supporting Alex rather than chucking him in the bin, which they used to do a lot of the time. They've been very good at the way they've handled this this driver, basically. And yeah, I think I think he's gonna fit in well at Williams. I think he's a I know it's a different ownership to the what to what it used to used to be with Doralton Capital and not the Williams family, but I think he's a driver Frank Williams would have really wanted and Patrick Ed would have really wanted in the team because he's he's forced to get to this level of motorsport. He had he was he's been dropped from program after program and had like adversity against him, like bad season, came, picked himself back up, got new sponsors, did a brilliant season in I want to say European F3, something like that. And then got to GP3 on his own steam, got to F2 with basically no sponsors and stayed there based on talent on a race-by-race sponsor basis before getting picked up by Toro Rosso and then having a rough time at Red Bull and still coming out from that and getting a seat. I think that's that's a very old-school Williams mantra. And I think, yeah, back in the 90s, the way Williams managed their drivers was a bit, a bit awful. <laughs> but I think... Is that I think the way that team has developed is the perfect place for Alex Albon to not not to reset really, just to build on what he's done know. already. Yeah. yeah, I do think Perez's underperformance, I guess, in recent months, do you think that's kind of helped Albon and, and Gaza? Do you think we'll look at them differently because Perez hasn't been able to be that much better than than what they did? Yes, definitely, because Perez hasn't, and Perez has been in Formula One for ten seasons before that. When Gasly was announced at Red Bull, he hadn't, he didn't the year before, he didn't have a F one drive. Same with Albon, he'd only done twelve races or so, so not even that, ten races. Yeah. And um, so those two were thrown into such sticky situations so early on in their career, and and did at times perform in really tricky scenarios as really young young drivers. So I think from that perspective, yes, I would agree. Yeah. Um, de- definitely for me, because before this year, I did think Carbon was not great. <laughs> I, I think that's quite clear. But I think Perez's form or lack of form has changed my mind a bit, even though they are different years, different cars and stuff. So yeah, definitely for me. Uh, it'll be, I think next year we'll find out, because Perez... He'll be around for another year. An album will be on the grid, so then we'll get a good indication of, uh, you know, who like whether Albon is a driver who's capable of winning races or whether he's not capable of that and stuff like that. Uh, Latifi, he's staying. Is that the right move? 
I was speaking to someone about this earlier today and we basically kind of agreed. He sort of come out of his shell recently. That hungry performance, I think, has really done him wonders because that was a brilliant race drive, to be honest. And his qualifying, he was only a tenth off Russell and he, he said he did a bad lap. So I think, and, and practice pace in Zanvoort, he was up ahead of Russell for the most part. We didn't get to see their full qualifying laps, but they were good close on pace again. So I think his, his pace gap to Russell this year is shrunk. Um, and I think really, if he takes a similar step for a third year in F1, I don't see why it shouldn't take another leap forward. So I think, yeah, I, I genuinely do think the Tifi is a solid driver at Williams. And I think it's working for him well. Um, I mean, yeah, obviously it would be cool to see a young charger go up against him and you can say, we'll definitely have pace. But to have a team, to have a, a, a driver who's so who's been embedded in that team for a long time, really, and who's familiar with the systems, familiar with everything that is being done there, and apparently is quite technically minded and really, really great to work with. That's precisely what Williams are wanting at the moment. That's the exact characterization they want a driver to have and is what Latifi brings. So he checks more boxes than a lot of other drivers do, I'd say. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good summary. And I think, you know, he's only his second season in F1 as well, and he's been up against Russell. And if Russell does match or beat Howard next year, then that will make Latifi look a lot better. Because on race pace, Latifi is not too far far away. It's just core yeah. fans where sometimes he is... Uh, well, he's not out Q1 and Russell gets to Q3 or, or whatever. So he well, is. We've got, we can't solid. have a cake and eat it with Russell. That's the thing. You can, we can sit here and say, wow, yeah. Russell's such a brilliant qualifier. His pace is unbelievable. And then we can't say, wow, Latifi's awful in qualifying because that's then best of both worlds. Because Latifi probably is a good qualifier. It's just Russell is a great qualifier. That's how it is, really. That's how I'm really seeing it now. Yeah, I think so too. I, I think so. And. I think the one thing with Latifi, my one problem is that I don't see him moving to another team. I don't think he's got quite the quality for another team to see him go, well, I think he can only stay at Williams. And that's not a bad thing, because if Williams do move up the grid, then he's there, and and he does Mm. deserve a place on the grid. It's just unfortunate there's so many other drivers who who also deserve a place on the grid. And I think, yeah, that's that's the only problem I have, I think. I mean, never say never, because... Look at his teammate, Alex Alvin. So I think if Latifi can do well, can have some good showings, he can turn a few a few um, heads because really you're only as good as your last race. So, yeah. I mean, that's an awful saying and I hate it. But <laughs> so do like, I. <laughs> if you look, at, you look at his 2020 compared to 2021, such different seasons, genuine improvement. So... There is time for him to improve as a Formula One driver and to, you know, extend a career in Formula One. Really, he's not—he's not a two-two-year, two-season wonder, is he? I think a lot of us thought he would be. He's—he's he's building a career out of this. Yeah, definitely. Uh, another well, the only other announcement is that Alpha Tauri are going to keep the lineup for next year. Pierre Gasly and Yuki Tsunoda. Now, I think this one, Tsunoda especially is the one where we think, is that right, is that wrong? It's come kind of early in September, considering Sonoda last year was announced in, in December. You've obviously got Yuri Vips, uh, Liam Lawson 
in the in Formula Two, they maybe could have had a chance. But I think for me, it, it is the right choice, just as long as Sonoda does show some improvement. But I think he does deserve a second season, just because of how good he was before he came into F1. And maybe he just needs that time to develop, you know, learn every track after one year and then go again. So I'd say it is the right move, but I am a bit sceptical, I think. What's that phrase, sort of, um, if you keep doing the same thing over and over again and expecting something different to happen, it's the definition of stupidity or something like that. Um, <laughs> I think I've paraphrased that appallingly. But if you, if you take a driver who's done really well in junior series, put him in F1 and he does badly and go, oh, no, this guy's doing so much better than him in junior series. A guy who's done a similar career doing well in junior series, take Liam Lawson, for example, doing well in DTM and F2. Um, and you put him in uh, the seat, chances are I'll just have a similar situation to Sonoda. So you may as well stick with Sonoda. And I think that's fair enough. I think a lot of people have raised eyebrows at it, but I think it speaks a lot of this new Red Bull driver approach that I spoke about with Albon, how they've rejuvenated this driver and they're giving Sonoda more time to build. And they've done it with Gassi, they've done it with Albon, they're doing it with Sonoda, they're giving him time to build. I think what it says about it is they have the trust to put a young driver in Formula One rather than letting drivers sort of, sort of sit in the sidelines and say, yeah, they're definitely ready now for Formula One. It's like, well, if he's not ready for Formula One, we'll put him there and he'll become ready for Formula One. And that's what they're doing with Sonoda. And it gives them time then to build up Sonoda and also to have Lawson building up in the background. And Vips, I mean, Vips, I think, I don't know, is he's isn't the favourite child. I think Lawson is the favourite child based on a DTM role. But um, yeah, I think may as, may as well keep Sonoda and you've got such a safe pair of hands in Gasly. There's no, there's no harm in having a driver who could be good, very good, next door to him. Do you think Honda would be the factor perhaps? Because obviously uh, Red Bulls and Alpha Tower's engines they'll still be built and constructed in Sakura in Japan, but then they'll be housed in uh, Milton Keynes. Do you think that's a factor, perhaps? I don't know. Um, They were so insistent that it was never a factor in the first place in putting him in the car, Um, which, you know, you can take with a pinch of salt, but Rebel aren't going to run a driver if they're not going to be interested in a driver, are they? Same with uh, Williams aren't going to run Alex Albon just for a favour. So, which which who knows, maybe speaking... Looking at all the rumours of VW and, and all of that coming back, who knows? And Yosuke Peter being former VW and Yosuke Peter working with Rebel back in the day when he was at Sauber. But anyway, um, that's a whole other kettle of fish that no one needs to really care about. But um, I think, yeah, I think it could do. It's nice to have that link. They won't, won't want to lose that link with Japan that they've had so much that will have earned them good sponsorship deals and stuff, I think. Maybe they've got um, a few better relationships with people because of that class from Japan. Who knows? But or uh, maybe the better question is: Is it a different mentality from Red Bull, or different approach from Red Bull to not dump out a driver as they have done yes, in the past? It's definitely that. Definitely that. That's what I was trying to say earlier with um, Gasly staying, Alvin staying, and now keeping Sonoda. They're, they're they're normally pretty good at not getting rid of a driver after one season. Anyway, I think the only driver. Yeah that's happened really with in Red Bull is Brendan Hartley 
I mean, everyone else has had more time. I mean, Hartley had four races at the end of 2017, so it didn't really happen to Hartley either. So, <laughs> oh, maybe it's only Robert Dornboss who hasn't really got much out of his Red Bull career. So, <laughs> um, that that exactly that's such a niche reference. I think they 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 do give drivers more than one season. Yeah, I, I think Red Bull get too much criticism. I really, I really do. I think. But you're so old school. You're like you're like Ken Tyrrell. You want to just put drivers in cars and then say, "Why aren't you going fast, you idiot?" Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. (laughs) I I think from the more mental health and sports psychology side of it, Red Bull have genuinely improved their act in the past couple of years. Yeah. Yeah, and this is the right approach. I think. Yeah, I think before a few years ago, it was a bit too. Pushy. I'm not sure what what the word is. A bit too cut cut cutthroat. Yeah, cutthroat. Whereas now it is more balanced. I've probably got a, a, the right balance now. Uh, you just touched on something before. I forgot to ask what we were talk, talking about. Albon, the Mercedes block slash Red Bull link to Albon. Yeah. What do you make of all of that? <laughs> I get it. I get it. I do get it. You can't have a driver contracted to your um, championship rivals driving for a car that you're going to have a massive technical partnership with, which they are going to have in 2022. It was announced in January this year, so it might have missed, gone under a few people's radar. But from 2022, uh, Williams and Mercedes are going to have a similar relationship to that of um, Mercedes and Aston Martin, which gave Racing Point so much success. So, I mean, they won a race. So... If that kind of relationship going down into Williams is fantastic for Williams and fantastic as a as their sort of you know long-term allyship with Mercedes. So obviously they don't want a driver who's going to be feeding back a lot to Red Bull. It's like a reserve driver for Red Bull, um, saying, Oh, well, we've got this new part and it's going to do this apparently. Um, you don't want that, you don't want that going out, do you? So it's I think it's fair enough. Um do, do it is a shame a if problem... it could have go on. I think it would be a shame to block drivers from a seat uh, because of sort of meddling from higher powers. But at the end of the day, this is Formula One and that's what it is. It's a political game. So that's what's happened. That's why Rebel have cut ties with Alex Albon. But I think there's something, I think they said there's a sort of an option in the future. I think think there's a letter of intent, but I think that's it. Like Senna had with Ferrari, that kind of thing. Do you think it's a problem that Mercedes and Red Bull, they're not controlling the grid? Well, I guess they have too much power. The drive, the teams I'm, at the I'm front have sure. always had so much power, aren't yeah. they? We always talk about yeah. the dominoes to fall at the front of the grid. That's just because that's where the money is. As the big money moves, it's always going to be where the power is. Um, if this budget cap could completely change that, but it would, it would take five or six years for sort of salaries to sort of settle and drivers to sort of mingle around. But because because we've got such a, a structure in performance at the moment, there's always going to be a structure then in driver salary and a structure in where the big names are. Yeah, and I, I would rather have this than what we had five, six years ago when we had pay drivers, as we talked about before, where you'd have two pay drivers. I'd rather have you know junior drivers or Red Bull affiliated or Mercedes affiliated drivers at different teams because, you know, they're, they're good drivers, whereas paid drivers might not be. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I think this is this is, this is better. So yeah, I think 
Any, anything to avoid going back to Pastor Maldonado and Bruno Senna, really, for Williams. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. You, you've said it now. <laughs> uh, I think we've covered all of the driving news, Freddie, unless I've missed. Oh, no, Kubica this weekend. I guess that's driving news. Yeah, uh, yeah it is. Raikkonen is not driving this weekend. Uh, Robert Kubica gets another chance after what he said was his best weekend in F1 for 11 years or something like that since uh, before his or after his he had his horrible accident mm. uh, 10 years ago and it's nice he gets another chance I think I think I mean yeah it's great for him yeah there's two sides to this um I think I think it's really sad that Kimmy's missing races after he's announced his retirement and everything he announces retirement and then straight away misses the race afterwards and now is missing uh, his final Monza as, as the last Ferrari world champion to miss Monza. That's, you know, that stings a bit. There's something in the poetry of that that's quite sad. But I, there's so, so much joy in that story about Kubica having such a good time back in F1. And yeah, because the word he used to describe Williams in 2019 was survival. And to see, to see that, not be the case anymore to see him enjoying it to see him relish it and to see him have a good race in um which we spoke about in our race review for the dutch grand prix he had a good race there 18th to 15th and overtook latifi on the last lap of the race actually in a pretty decent move um good on him good on him and he's going to a track for a full weekend um he's going to that track a track he's really good at he got his first ever podium in his third race at Monza, as in his third race in Formula One, not his third race at Monza, his third race <laughs> at Formula One at Monza was his first ever podium, and that's brilliant. It was amazing. And he he goes like the clappers around that track. So I think he could have a really good weekend, if I'm honest. And I'm happy, I'm really happy to see him there. I think it would be cool to see to see him race there, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. And given that to you, he'll be on home turf as well. So if Kubica is close, I think he's you know he's within three, four temps. I think that's a very, very good job. On Raikkonen, uh, someone part of race news, he said, it wouldn't surprise me if Raikkonen doesn't come back and this is just all <laughs> part of it and he just wants to retire early or something like that. So who knows? <laughs> uh, yeah, but if it, if it is genuine... Like, hopefully he does get better and he'll be back. Of course, it's genuine. Yeah, all the best to you, Kimmy. I mean, you probably don't watch this, but... um, (laughs) um, Wow, Kimmy watches the podcast. Um, (laughs) I think, yeah, all the best to Kimmy. I I think, in all honesty, he'll be back in Russia, hopefully. But, yeah, this is nice to see Robert have this this moment because, yeah, let's be honest, Williams, his Williams stint was... A bit naff, and if he had been in Renault, maybe it would have probably been really interesting. So, absolutely. So, after all of that, let's finally talk about the race weekend, the third of three. Yeah, third yes. of three triple yeah. headers. Well, well, it's the second of three. Second tri- triple header, the third race third of the triple header. The second triple header. Why did I make that so complicated? It's the I Italian Grand Prix. That's the uh, easy bit. <laughs> so. It should suit Mercedes, shouldn't it? Red Bull have never had a podium here in the turbo hybrid era. So it should be Mercedes' win weekend. Honda won there last year. 
Well, <laughs> <laughs> on pure pace. Um, oh, I don't know because the difference is there this year, isn't it? Um, Rebel won in France. Rebel won in uh, the sprint race in Silverstone, and arguably with a faster car there. Uh, Rebel were the faster car in Spa. So wow. who knows? It was wet, wasn't it? So yeah, uh, they did some good practice runs. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think I think it's too close to call this year and I think the the, the top end speed of Honda is very good uh, the Mercedes acceleration is fantastic um, I wonder why that is <laughs> oh yes that's a very technical thing that we haven't spoken about on this podcast yeah. I think um, no it's not no <laughs> talk about plenums the Honda one <laughs> Honda engine has got very good consistency acceleration and top end speed so that that suits monza if i'm honest and the car is much more efficient than it has ever been really so i think it's much more open than we think it could be but if you look at all of the tracks coming up if mercedes on pure pace don't win this weekend surely it's red bulls to lose now because i mean how in in the last race that howlton won Last race where Hamilton won were Verstappen and Hamilton finished was Spain in May, start of May. That is such a long time ago. So yeah, it is. <laughs> I think I think it's it's probably it's not a must win, but I think in terms of pure pace, Mercedes need to put down a marker because if they can't win here, then Red Bull have to be slight slight favourites at pretty much every race after this. I think whoever wins at this race has the potential to scare the other team shitless basically <laughs> for the next few races because if Mercedes win then it's Rebel like oh no Sochi we can't compete Mercedes are expected to win more I think yeah but I, I still think it's hard for Rebel and the momentum of the next few races um, and it then is but it then it works the opposite way if Rebel are on good pace but I do think because we can talk about cars having pace this year but in my mind to be honest there aren't really characteristics. It's just Hamilton and Verstappen are going to be within a couple of tenths of each other yeah. at a maximum. So, and it's Monza. The gaps around Monza are always tiny because it's such a power track because of the the maximum throttle. I, I can't remember the percentage, but it's like ridiculous, isn't it? The maximum eighty, just, I think, or something like that. Yeah, it's 80%. stupid, um, and that's just going to bring it closer together. I mean, I think I think you could see a McLaren mixing or I think you can see a Lando Norris mixing yeah. so who knows I, I think I think as well we've got the sprint the second sprint qualifying as well but qualifying itself it's going to be just just be about who can be in you know four or five seconds behind who can get the per ultimate or optimal slipstream stuff like that hopefully we won't see any of the messing around that we got a couple of years ago and it's just no going to be about <laughs> it's just going to be about the conditions you can get the perfect setup, just these tiny things, tyre pressures, cloud cover, these little things which, which, which most people won't think about, but the teams will. That is what it's going down to. And then, obviously, it's down to the drivers, how to them the stuff and are making the difference. And one small mistake is all it takes this year, whereas, you know, for, for so many years, Hamilton could make a mistake, for example, but then he would still get pole, whereas now it's just so close and that's, that is the difference. So it, it's really nothing. It's just who can execute the best on, you know, from, from the driver's perspective and the team's perspective as well. 
Yeah. I think this I is the best timing. <laughs> yeah, you have done very well. I think this is the best timing for a sprint race weekend, Yeah, to be honest. The end of the triple header, it keeps it fresh, keeps it different. And it's so easy from us as a journalistic perspective to go into Friday this week and just think, this is going to be a dreadful moment. Like, it's just going to be boring this weekend. You can go in from on such a down of having had worked two races really hard, Dutch Grand Prix for you specifically for a Dutch sort of brand. And spa which was just such a miserable grand prix to then go into this race weekend and we've got the qualifying on the friday evening and we've got the sprint on the saturday afternoon and then there's the, the sunday race with the same ordinary hype that we normally have for that anyway to have that sort of it sort of drags you through this triple header i think for me at least i like the pra- i like the friday practice days though <laughs> so yeah, I'm I, sure I, I, I like them more than most. I like them more than most, but I think the more I've covered it, the more I've sort of gone a bit more like, come on, I'm impatient now. And that's what I like about a five o'clock UK time in the evening qualifying. Because then it's just like the excitement's there all day. They're like, oh, we're going to get to qualifying. We're going to get to qualifying. And it's such a long day because you start with F2 practice at like 6 a.m., but it's going to be great. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, F2 is back. I've got about that. They've been off yeah. for about seven years. Uh, What's F2? So, exactly. McLaren will be up there. Do you, how, how, you know, how, is anyone else going to be up there? How far can, oh, can McLaren be? I think McLaren needs to have a good weekend considering they've dropped behind Ferrari and the constructors for the first time this season. I want to say first yeah. time this season. Um but Ferrari just have a knack of just suddenly being actually quite good um, when you don't think they will be. And Baku strands out for me as a sign for why Ferrari could well still be in the fight. Um, Alpine, I think, and Aston Martin could also be nipping at their heels a bit more than usual. I think it's just because it's Monza. It brings the cars a little bit closer together. So even at and Anna, the and are close Tauri, now as well, aren't they? Yeah, I think really every team... <laughs> Is going to be in with a sh- <laughs> in with a shot of Q three apart from Haas, I'd say every team. Do you think there might be a small problem in the sprint qualifying and the race with DRS trains? Kind of like what we got last year with Gasly's amazing win, but then behind it was only Hamilton who could make that impact. I think so. Um, we've got softer tires than there were at Silverstone. Um, mm. It's the C two three four. Uh, the middle, middle of the tire range. Band. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. So maybe that could pay, make an interest, or it could just settle everyone to do it on mediums for the sprint. Who knows? But um, I think, I think so. But I think that's been the nature of Monza for some time. But I yeah. don't think it can stop the excitement because I think it can keep cars at the front close together. So I think really, what sort of ruined the start? a lot of Monza last year was Valtteri Bottas' awful start. Um, because if we look back to 2019 Monza, 2018 Monza, you had a Ferrari and a Mercedes sort of duking it out. They were so with, good. They were, they so were such good great races, those. And I think there's a, I think really you can, there's still potential for that in the sprint and in the feature race. Not feature, but you know what I mean? Feature race. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, Formula 2 is really rubbing no, off I, on me. I wish, I wish <laughs> it was a feature race, but yeah, unfortunately not. Uh, I think the race is the feature, but we had these sprint debates already. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, I'm just trying to think, is there anything else to talk about? I'm not sure if there is. Oh, well. Um, not called a parabolica. That's yes. Weird. It's going to be called uh, the Alpha Romeo. Have, yeah, Alpha Romeo is going to have a different livery. Which looks lovely. An hour ago. Yeah, it does. It does. It's cool, 111 it? <laughs> years. It's only, I think every year Alfa Romeo have been F1, there's been an excuse for them to do a special livery. I think they did a special thing in um, the 1000 Grand Prix because they won the first one, which is fair enough. And then yeah. they had a, it was their 100-year anniversary last year, so they did something special. And now they're doing, oh, 111 or whatever it was. 110 <laughs> last year, obviously, it was 111. One, one, one. Let's go crazy. And this is fair enough. Just, you're in Italy. Love it. Cool. Have fun. GGG. Oi, oi, oi. Uh, yeah, is there anything else to talk about, Freddie? Have I missed anything? I'm an awful oh, I don't know. It's been such what? a hectic week, hasn't it? Um, there's been so much that's gone on. I think we should probably just talk about <laughs> the um, the sleep we're going to get on Sunday evening. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I <don't> know. <laughs> yeah, I think that's it. I, think I should so. end it here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna end it. Uh, thanks for wow, you're so much power. Thanks, wow. Thanks for, thanks for watching. Uh, Adam will be back next time, hopefully, unless something really bad has happened. But I'm, hopefully, nothing has. That's you a dark. Off. Why did I think of that? Uh, we will be back with Adam, myself, and ready to review the Italian Grand Prix. It should be or could be a good one. We'll see yeah. you then. <laughs>